This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. He's back by popular demand. He did a terrific job a week ago going through the court. He has been such an asset to us over the last year. So let's run through week two. We'll hit a little golf conference finals, all that good stuff with Jared Smith from the morning after over on Sports Grid. Smitty, my boy, how you doing, bro? I was a little better uh, about an hour ago when the Browns were, you know, running it down Cincinnati's throats. Uh, that was that was one of those games, JJ. That was one of those games you put in the in the old book, uh, the old backdoor, and it was open twice. I don't think I've ever been backdoor twice in the same game. Uh, so I, I know you were on the other side of that. Isn't one, that it amazing, one Jared? One's man's <laughs> misfortune is another man's <laughs> fortune. Not exactly, but. You know what it is? It's one of those games you, you feel like you got away with one there because I'll yeah. give you credit. Cleveland was the right side. They pounded it down Cincinnati's throat. But you know what my big takeaway from this game is going to be? Yeah, the Browns offense got right. Yeah, they got a whole lot of playmakers. Smitty, Joe Burrow is going to be a really good quarterback in this league. There's no doubt about it. That was the top of my list. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm running through each game, I try to just make mental notes to myself when I see something that really stands out to me. And then I'll go back and review those notes, and then that's how I kind of carry it over to the next week's cap. And that was the first thing on my list this week was I think the word is unafraid. And, you know, we use that word a lot in the basketball world when you're just, you know, you're not afraid to take the big shot in the big moment. And I think that's, that pretty much sums up what Joe Burrow's NFL career is going to be. He's going to get knocked around. He got, I think he got hit 10 times tonight. I mean, he got knocked around really hard tonight, and he's going to take a beating this year behind a very bad Bengals offensive line, and now they're starting to get a little bit banged up uh, at, at tight end. Uh, Uzoma went out tonight, so, you know, they're going to have to fight the war of attrition, and he's a rookie, and he's going to be in a battle physically every week, but he is unafraid, J.J., and, and he's going to go out there every week and sling it, and I think he was 61 attempts tonight. I mean, it, you know, they're not afraid to just give him the ball and say, go win it or lose the game for us. All right, Smitty, let's get to this card. We'll start with the miserable Jets, who oh. looked like the worst team in the league last Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Doesn't get easier. Now you get an angry, ticked-off San Francisco team that's a little beat up, may yeah. not have George Kittle, won't have Richard Sherman. This seems like the obvious play of the century to go and lay the touchdown of the 7.5 on the San Francisco 49ers. You see any way this game is competitive? I mean, it, there, there's always a chance that it's competitive. I mean, we saw the Cowboys come in in a similar, not, not quite a similar spot. That was at the end of the season, but in, in, a, in a similar public narrative spot where everybody's on the favorite coming into New York and, and you know, the, the, the bad New York Jets are not going to play well. And, 
you know, the, the NFL has a very funny way of humbling teams, and the Niners were certainly one of those teams that was humbled last week. This line is just – it just hasn't stopped moving. It opened at four. I was able to jump on it at six, and, and I do think it's going to stay on that other side of seven uh, unless George Kittle has announced that he doesn't, you know, play in this game. And then I think it could creep back to six and a half, uh, but I don't think it would get much further than that. Injuries in the NFL at this stage is everything. And week to week, early in the year, the preseason, you know, it didn't really matter, but the injuries still do matter. And I think that's the one thing to track. So the Jets are just so banked up, JJ. I mean, you know, the Niners are nicked up. I mean, the Jets running back depth chart this week, Frank Gore, Kalen Balazs, Josh Adams. I mean, Denzel Mims on IR. It's going to be third and fourth stringers at inside linebacker. And that's a scary thing against this 49ers rushing attack. Mostert had a great game last week. I think he's going to play well again. Jimmy G gets Brandon Ayuk back this week from injury. And again, it is Kittle's injury status that's probably going to tilt this line. But the Jets have been so dreadful early in the year. One and six in their last September games. The market has pushed this over seven. It's going to stay over seven unless Kittle, you know, doesn't play. So I would probably stay off this because you didn't get it at Niners minus six or six and a half. You're probably not going to get that shot again. But it's, it, you just can't back the Jets in this spot. You either get the Niners at under seven or you just lay off the game and, and you know, you hope the Jets maybe pull off a, a, an impressive performance. Smitty, it's amazing. The Jets and the Giants lost by the exact same you know, margin. <laughs> but if you watch both of those games, I mean, it was not comparable. The Jets yeah. were non-competitive. On the flip side, the Giants, I thought, were very competitive. I thought they hung in. Uh, mm-hmm. against a very talented Steeler team. Now in a short week, they go to Chicago where the Bears are feeling giddy after their miracle comeback. Don't get me started there oh, against man. the Detroit Lions. I mean, that was as bad as it gets. But, Smitty, this line opened at five and a half. I see it getting heavy giant action. And that line, my friend, has not moved anywhere. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a freeze uh, all week. There's been a couple of lines this week that have been frozen. Uh, I think the, uh, the Vikings Colts is another one, but, but this one, it, you know, it, when you look at this game from a, from a public perspective, I, I'm not surprised that, that the public is all on Chicago, but I, I don't think, I don't think the books are going to get the seven on this one. Uh, the matchup to here to watch. And again, wh- when you're dealing with a lot of these, you know, when you're trying to handicap a game, to me, the first place I go is injuries. The second place is matchups. And the matchup to me in this game is, is what are we going to get from Allen Robinson this week? In, in I think, a, a plus matchup against James Bradbury. And I also think the matchup in the slot favors the Bears as well. Uh, I, I think Anthony Miller, very good matchup against the, uh, the rookie slot corner for the Giants, Darnay Holmes. So I, I think there's some matchup problems on the outside for, for the Giants in this game. Uh, do you trust Trubisky, though, to, to be able to find those matchups? And I think there's some question marks for the, for the Bears on defense, too. Hicks, Quinn, Mack. They're all questionable. I mean, they're probably going to play. But, again, these are the injury things that you have to keep an eye on this week. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley, uh, out of the receiving prop market, is the story for me in the Giants uh, season. I- I'm not going to be back in the Giants much, uh, sides or totals. But Saquon Barkley is a receiver. And, you know, FanDuel DraftKings, they all offer these great props. His, he's being underbooked as a, as a pass catcher. He had nine targets last week. His, his total was three and a half receptions. I mean, he, he was playing in the slot. He was basically a receiver that was, you know, getting some carries as well. And if Golden Tate continues to sit, that to me is the matchup edge that you can take advantage of in the market. Saquon Barkley just is not getting enough respect as a pass catcher uh, in the betting markets. Jared, if there is one line in particular that you think is a total overreaction to what we saw in week one that seems off, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, uh, is there one that comes to mind? I mean, you would think 
I think this Panthers Bucks one is is pretty inflated. Uh, I was surprised that it was as high as it was. Uh, I I think Falcons Cowboys is another one. I, I I think the I think the Cowboys are a much better team than they played in the second half of that game on Sunday night, and that line got pushed to the other side of seven. I'll go with that one. That's my final answer. I I, I think the Falcons I, I think the Falcons don't deserve to be on the other side of seven against Dallas. Uh, I, I think Dallas's offense is going to create a lot of problems uh, for this for this Falcons defense. Now, the one concern for me with Dallas is obviously the injuries they have on their side of the ball with Sean Lee and Vander Esch. So I think that's the one that, that kind of stands out to me. There's a couple of really interesting ones. Though. I think the Jags-Titans line is really interesting, too. That Titans look-ahead line in the offseason for this game, J.J., was 11. And I... I mean, when you watch those games over the weekend, the Sunday game, you know, with, with Jacksonville and then the Monday night game with Tennessee, that didn't look like a double-digit difference between Jacksonville and Tennessee. I mean, it looked like Tennessee was, was struggling a little bit to get their offense going, and Jacksonville played pretty well. So I was surprised that that line didn't get moved that much. It still is about eight and a half, nine, and, and I still think it's a little bit high. So the, I think early in the season you see a lot of arbitrage numbers where the books have these look-ahead lines and they come out in the summertime, and they're kind of stuck to them. They're kind of anchored to them. So the overreactions aren't as stark because if they move those lines too much off of what they were in the summer, then they're going to be exposed to middle. So it's almost impossible to get the huge overreaction moves, but there's certainly seen, there's certainly been a few that have moved at least by a field goal or you know five or six points. we got a buddy, Jared Smith, over at Sports Grid as we look ahead to week two in the NFL. And, Jared, you know, with Baltimore and Kansas City, you can't make these lines mm. high enough. You can't make them high enough. And I can guarantee you that every sports book in America is going to be getting two team teasers in the four o'clock window for Baltimore and Kansas City. And, and normally my, my logic would be, Jared, it's too good to be true, but I, I wouldn't talk anybody out of that. I mean, would you? No, and, and honestly, the one that really catches my eye is the, the Chiefs. And, and the reason is because this one got pushed over that key number of seven. So open five and a half up to eight and a half. It's probably going to get to 10 if it keeps going in this direction. Whereas the Ravens Texans opened at six, kind of hit that stone wall at seven. And I think that kind of tells you where the books feel their liability is this week. And if the books feel like they're liable to the chiefs, then absolutely. That's a game that you, that you should consider tease. Uh, to me, the handicap with, with Kansas city is more on what LA is kind of doing. And when you looked at what the Browns were able to do on Thursday night to this Charger or to this uh, Cincinnati defense. And then you think about what the Chargers were unable to do on Sunday against Cincinnati. It kind of makes you question this Chargers offense. And it kind of makes you think how much Terod Taylor is really going to be the guy there. Uh, they did not play well against Cincinnati at all. And, and, and I think they need to play a lot. I mean, they need to score a boatload of points to keep up. Uh, with KC and and clearly no Super Bowl hangover for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I, this to me is the only public side that I would really consider this week uh, because of just how dominant the Chiefs look. I, I think the Texans could play a tough game against Baltimore. I think that defense, especially up front, could give Lamar some problems. Now I'm not running to the window to back Houston and Bill O'Brien, but if you ask me of the two, which one I could see not covering and maybe even being in a game tight late. Uh, you know, if Deshaun Watson makes some plays, I could certainly see Houston competing. But I think the Chargers offensively are, I mean, they've, they've got some issues uh, coming to them this weekend in uh, Patrick Mahomes. Smitty, let's get to Sunday night. I'm all fired up to watch this game. It's a Super Bowl rematch from the uh, Marshawn Lynch not getting the ball at the one-yard line, the Malcolm Butler pick. <laughs> now it's Cam Newton, at quarterback for the New England Patriots. And look, he was terrific against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. It was basically smash-mouth football. 
They didn't try to make it overly complicated, but the Dolphins had no answer for Cam Newton. Now they go to Seattle. The Seahawks got his dynamic quarterback, I mean, maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, and his name is Russell Wilson. Line is right around three and a half, four. What is your take now as the Patriots go to the Pacific Northwest? You know, normally, Jared, this would be as hostile a situation that you're going to find. Do you think the line is lower maybe because that home field advantage is not the same? Yeah, I think this line's probably closer to seven if if it's a packed house, you know, six. I, I, I do think the books have adjusted the no the no home field scenarios. But we're going to kind of find out over the next couple of weeks. You know, we saw tonight there was a smattering, of, you know, some fans in the stands in, in Cleveland. But we're going to see if it affects it as they invite more fans back. But this is a fascinating matchup. It's funny because I, I wonder if, if the Patriots, you know, had, had a guy like Cam Newton, you know, years ago, if they would have had this kind of success with this kind of offense. Because when I watched this offense on Sunday, it was a really bad matchup for the Dolphins defense. But aside from that, when I really dug into the tape and actually watched this game and watched Cam Newton execute the offense, they didn't do much. They really just kind of pounded it down Miami's throats. And I don't think you're going to be able to play that kind of smash mouth football against the good, better defenses in the league. And I know Seattle is not the Legion of Boom anymore, but they still have a very formidable unit, uh, especially tackling up front. And, and I think that is where Cam Newton is going to run into some problems this weekend. They basically ran four sets of plays. They ran two sets of plays in shotgun and two sets of plays under center. The shotgun plays were read option. Keep, give, or play action. Throw a slant to Edelman over the middle. And the, the under center plays were let's hand the ball off to Sony Michelle or let's play action some gadget or wrinkle or end around or play action cam bootleg. I mean, it was very simple. It was a very vanilla offense. And they need to expand that offense if they want to compete at a high level with some of the better offenses in the league if they want to score points, but also you know move the ball against good defenses. Uh, and I, I definitely think Seattle is going to show you a lot of that. Russell Wilson, week one in the red zone, five out of five, 54 yards, three touchdowns. That's not red zone statistics. That's, you know, that's not what you're supposed to do in the red zone, but he gets it done in that spot. I like Seattle here. I mean, I, I just think I, I'm, I'm not buying Cam Newton until I see it in a tough spot, in a tough game where he has to make plays and it's not just pound it down your throat. And I don't think he can hang in the pocket and, and, found, and find receivers down the field. And if you're behind in a game in the fourth quarter, like Joe Burrow did in this one, you're going to have to sit back in that pocket and find guys down the middle of the field. And I don't know if he has the ability to do that at this stage of his career. And Jared, on that note, considering how much Miami struggled with Cam Newton, do you see similar problems for the Dolphins against Buffalo? Buffalo coming off a division win. They got to go deal with that September, you know, South Florida heat. But, man, they got a team that could pound the rock. Do you think that has bills written all over it come Sunday? I, I do think so, but I was actually surprised when I saw this, J.J., but the Bills only averaged 3.1 yards per rush against the Jets on Sunday. See, that's surprising I, I was, to me. Now, let's see if that's the yeah. case against Miami. Let's see if that's yeah. the case against Miami. I don't know. And the Jets do have a good rush defense, and I'm sure they isolated that part of the game, and they said, hey, we're going to make Josh Allen beat you with the arm, and, and you know he did a pretty good job of it in the first half. Uh, I, I think Josh Allen's going to be a tough, you know, if they couldn't contain Cam Newton, do you think they're going to contain Josh Allen? To me, that's the issue. I don't know if it's necessarily the running backs for Buffalo that are a concern for Miami. I think it's just Josh Allen and, and, and the plays that he can make. I do like the bills in this spot. And, you know, we were able to get him, you know, pretty early. Thanks to you, actually. So I appreciate that tip. I, you know, checks in the mail there, brother. You gave me that, that uh, tip that they opened really, it was a soft line when they opened this at three, three in the hook. 
And it's it's going to get up there, I think, to six probably. It might. I don't think it's going to get to seven against the divisional game, and it's on the road. But I, I do think I, I do think the Bills win this game. I think this is a good teaser spot too. Actually, I, I think this is a Buffalo uh, a Buffalo win all the way because again, in the fourth quarter, if the, if Miami is able to come back and make this close, Buffalo can salt it away with that running game. And and Ryan Fitzpatrick made some horrendous decisions on Sunday. And I, when I watched that. Patriots game to get the, the, the Cam Newton handicap. I, I got a very good Ryan Fitzpatrick handicap. He was throwing off his back foot, chucking, ducking. I mean, the Bills defense is going to come after him on Sunday. Sean McDermott, that, that front seven and that secondary as well with White back there is going to be very tough to handle. So I, I think Buffalo is definitely the player. I can't back Miami, but if you're on the wrong side of the move, I get it why you're a little hesitant. Our buddy Jared Smith over at Sports Grid. And Jared, you've been spending so much time Handicapping the golf over the last few months. I was into oh, it, man. Yeah. I woke up at the crack of noon. Uh, U.S. Open is being played <laughs> at Wingfoot. I thought maybe Phil could tease us a little bit. He had the back-to-back birdies that went right into the tank. Patrick no Reed, who I've been all over, played great. Justin Thomas had an unbelievable day. So as the U.S. Open field now shifts to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what do you have lined up when it comes to the golf? So I made some really – I was very happy with my handicap uh, pre, pre-tournament. Xander Schauffele was my pick for this one. Uh, I also had Phil to miss the cut. I, I did not think his game played well at all. Actually, that was one of the only – I only gave out like five or six picks. That was one of them was Phil to miss the cut. The, the, to me, I, I think this tournament is just so it, – it, it, it's obviously a war of attrition. I was a little surprised today, though, JJ. Scoring was down. It was – you know, the, the scores were a lot lower than I thought they were going to be. And I think – they're almost baiting these golfers into, I have a feeling it's going to get really tough this weekend. And I think they're going to start moving these pins in tough spots and they're going to move around the tee boxes and they're going to make it really tough on these guys. And they're going to turn those greens into cement bricks. And, and I think you're going to have to stripe it in the middle of the fairway and and guys like Phil, unfortunately, I think Tiger's going to grind, but he's just, his game's not suited for this. And I think the guy who's going to win this tournament is the guy who draws the ball really well because, you know, Wingfoot has those left to right slope green or fairways. And it's going to be someone who understands how to scramble and grind and just get up and down and, and, and make good shots. And I think, I thought Xander, I, I think Patrick Reed's a great pick too. Honestly, I, he was one of the picks, one of the uh, analysts we have on the show uh, that comes on every week uh, gave out. And, and I think he's another guy that's just going to grind and he's going to battle. And, and I, I thought DJ's run might end because of the driving accuracy here this week. And he didn't have a great round today. And I, I think Xander Shoffley and Justin Thomas, those guys, Patrick Reed, those grinder type of golfers are going to be the ones you're going to see uh, near the top of the leaderboard on Sunday. Okay. Before we get to your best bets in the NFL here for week two, um, it looks like the Miami Heat are in very good shape mm. here in the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see what happens moving forward, but I'm thrilled with my ticket for the East, thrilled with my ticket for the series. We're halfway home, baby. But in the Western Conference yeah. Finals, stunned that the Nuggets got past the Clippers. They're a big dog against the L.A. Lakers. You give them any shot in this series? You got to give them a shot, but I, I can't. I, I got to see it first. I need to see some matchups first in that series. Because the one thing that the Clippers – I mean, the Clippers were – you know, the, the Nuggets were a terrible matchup for the Clippers. I thought the Clippers had advantages at every level, especially inside. I, I didn't think Jokic would be able to – you know, keep up with, with the, the more athletic bigs that the Clippers threw at them. And then you got Kawhi and PG defending up top, Jamal Murray. But it just turned out that the Clippers just ran out of gas. I don't think the Lakers are going to run out of gas. Uh, this is going to be a series that if the Nuggets win this series, they're not going to be given it by, by the other L.A. team. They're going to have to win it. And that game seven was, was 
this, I mean, it was pathetic. It was a pathetic effort. I mean, they were asking to be, they were asking, the Clippers were asking to get subbed out of the game three minutes into the fourth quarter of a game seven in a Western conference semifinal. I, I don't understand how that, how that happened, but I, I think the Lakers to me are, are the dominant team, obviously. And, and I think they're going to, they're going to probably establish it early and we'll see what the matchups are. I, I actually think Michael Malone's done a really good job in this series, you know, pushing the right buttons. But if Jamal Murray's not playing at a at a Hall of Fame All Star level, I mean they they don't have a chance against LeBron and AD and and the bigs, the athletic bigs and Rajon Rondo who's just been a revelation on this team, it, it's going to be a tough ask for them to 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 cut to climb the mountain again. All right, Smitty, it's time, my brother. Week two NFL. What will be on the card for you this weekend? So best bet is the Eagles, and if you can still get this at plus money, it, it dipped to plus one. Barely. I got it at plus one. I think it's back to minus one or pick them, depending on where you do your shopping. And I, I really think this is one of those games that the, the Sharps got on the Rams early and they wanted to push this line down. They got the Rams at plus three and now it started to drift in their direction and it got across. The, I don't, you don't see lines very often. It went from the Rams were underdogs and then the Rams were favored. And now it's back to the Eagles being favored. So this line flipped over zero twice. And I thought that was pretty telling. Uh, but I also like some of the matchups. In, in this game. So there's some line movement that I like, but also the matchups. Miles Sanders coming back, I think, is a plus, And I think he is going to be huge for this Eagles offense this week. That clearly needs him. And I really like the matchup on the outside, Nicole Roby Coleman, uh, Coleman against Cooper Cup. I, I think that is a matchup that Philly can win. And, and I think the Rams are going to struggle to move the ball in this game. Malcolm Brown, I, I don't know if he can do that kind of performance again back-to-back weeks against an Eagles defense that's pretty good up front. And I think this is a good spot for Philly to bounce back. And if you can get them as a home dog, I, I think that to me is the best bet of the week. I also like your Bills this week. I, I think they get the job done. I think the Niners win too. That might be a good tease right there. Bills, Niners, get them at about pick them each. Uh, and then Steelers, I, I think to me, Pittsburgh, uh, the old line injuries confuse me a little bit. I, they need those guys to be healthy to protect Big Ben, but this is a bad matchup for the Broncos coming off of a short week too, and they've got to go on the road. And this is also that's also a good T spot too, JJ. So I'd say Eagles, Bills, Niners, and Steelers are the four that I am targeting this week. Jared Smith, check him out over on the Morning After Sports Grid. Smitty, my boy, keep up the good work. Let's have a big weekend with the golf and with the NFL. And uh, it was a hell of a ride for that Isles ticket, my friend. Oh, it was a hell of a ride. It was. We got the stars on the other side, though. So that's the Now we're Dallas Stars fans. There you go. <laughs> all right. You're always moving and shaking somewhere. All right, Smitty, have a good weekend, all right? Good stuff, brother. There you have it. That's Jared Smith over at Sports Group. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 